morning, church, and welcome to another day on online uh, uh, preaching. And um, today is the 18th of October, and we are going to be busy with Lesson 8, Part 7. All right? <laughs> the life of giving. Now, we spoke about already the last few weeks about a life of giving, and we've looked at examples uh, more in particular, the example of the life of Joseph. And we saw how he had lived his life in the Old Testament and how because of him, his life affected a lot of other people just because he was a good steward. Just because he, was, he allowed himself to be placed in the place where God can use him mightily in the plans that God had already set in motion in the life of Abraham. And we saw through Abraham how Isaac came to be. And we saw through the life of Isaac how Jacob came to be. And we saw through the life of Jacob through the mistakes he made. And through all the problems that he had. And all the, the issues that he had. Especially when he deceived people. And how that he himself was deceived. That we saw in the life that of his family. We saw Joseph come to be. And we saw through the, the home how there was a rift there because the brothers were jealous of, of the beloved son or sons. If we look at Joseph and Benjamin and how they, they threw Joseph into the pit because they were going to kill him. And because um, of a few brothers who did not want to have the blood of their brother on their hands, decided to sell him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And that by doing this, they did not know that they were actually putting in motion the plan of God. And you know, when we look at Joseph, we, we could have said that, you know, if we were in his shoes, we would have had bitterness in our hearts. We would have looked for some form of revenge. You know, we would have said, you know what, just watch me. I will go up through the ranks and when I get to a point of power, I will come back for you. No, Joseph did not do that. Joseph never sought his, his brothers out uh, as well because he continued with the work that God had placed upon his shoulders in order to save the then known world to be a good steward. And one day God brought these people his way, his brothers his way. You could have said that, well, let's see what he would do. All the things that Joseph was working on. He could right there and then destroy everything just for a moment of vengeance. But he did not. We saw how he had responded and how through his hands he saved a nation. And that's what we're going to talk about, a life of giving. We also looked through Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 38. We also looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 to 15. And this is where we're going to be continuing in, in this. The introduction of this is that this lesson will focus on the topic of Christian stewardship. What is stewardship? If we look at the dictionary, it tells us this, very short and sweet. The employment or use of one's time, talent, and possessions. You know, every time we think about possessions, we always think that, you know, what can I give? We think about money. But, you know, stewardship does not only concern about money. In actual fact, it's not the main part about money. It's about you. It's about your life. 
I mean, you've made to ask, uh, ask this question, what do I have to give to God? Well, think about this in terms of more that, you know, it is in terms more than money we use every day. Like, for instance, your cooking, maybe planning events or driving to our jobs. Or driving our oh, jobs. Sorry, I didn't not notice the comma I put here. Maybe it's your personality traits or sense of humor. Or maybe it's your ability to, to listen and to emphasize. You know, many times we think as, as, as Christians and all that, we need to be talking all the time. But there, are, there comes a time in your life that you're supposed to just shut up and listen. Forgive my French. Sometimes you just need to keep quiet. You just need to close your mouth and listen. There are times when people want to just talk and just to, to burden, to, off, uh, to offload their burdens and they don't have anyone to talk to and then you come along and then they want to talk to you and what do we do? We just, we want to talk too. There comes a time when you need to just keep quiet and listen. You don't need to do anything because you are doing something already. You are listening. Everyone has the potential for contributing in so many ways to the work of God. Any skill that we possess can be used somewhere in the ministry of the church. You might say, well, I, I, I cannot preach. I am no preacher. Well, most of the pastors say the same thing. <laughs> but they've been used by God. They have been led by the Spirit. They, have been, they, they are allowed to be an instrument by God to be used for a purpose and maybe sometimes for a season. You might say, well, I am no musician. I cannot play even a hold a note. Well, who said you were called to be a musician? Maybe the church is looking for musicians, but you might not have that talent. And some people never had the talents, but they learnt. And were used mightily by God because they put themselves into a place where God could use them. You know, just to open the doors in the morning is stewardship. Just to sweep the floor is stewardship. Just to do the sound at the back of stewardship does not mean that there has to be something great because the Lord looks at the small things. Joseph was a slave. He was not a big man. And God still blessed him mightily because of Joseph's sake. He blessed the house of Potiphar. Christians should never think that any of those with money are responsible to be good stewards. We all have something to give. Praise the Lord. Giving also includes the giving of ourselves. Giving also includes giving as well as some, uh, part of your possessions. So the question I want to ask you today is this. Why do we forgive? Why we give? Giving reflects the very nature of God. Someone once said this, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. God demonstrates this 
very thing. His divine generosity when he gave his son to redeem the world. We read that scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't need to. But he did. We read that in John chapter 3 verse 6. There has to be a willingness to give all we have to God which will reflect the new nature. He gives us life when we are born again. Self-centered living is not characteristic of the true living God. Our Heavenly Father has placed into us a new heart. He has given us a concern for the needs of others. He has created us a care so that we can care about those who are hungry, so we can care for those who are homeless. We care about those who have never heard the message of God. And that is what it means to be a discipleship. That is what it means to be an evangelist. And like our Heavenly Father, we give out a heart of love. This is supposed to be the motivation for Christian stewardship. Giving our resources to God also indicates our surrender to His divine ownership. You know that God's not really concerned about what you have to give. He is concerned about your heart. It is our heart that God is concerned about. When our hearts are truly yielded to God, then our treasure will also be His. And that's what the Bible says, is that where the treasure is, our heart is too. When a couple marries, their positions, possessions usually become joint property. They share a home, they share a bank account, and they are committed to providing for each other's material needs. This can be aligned also in our relationship with God. When we love Him above all else, giving is not a problem. We will gladly share what we have on behalf of His kingdom, confident that He will continue to meet our needs as He has in the past. See, when we share our lives with God, we share everything, basically He shares everything with us that is His. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills. We've heard that preached time and time and again by so many pastors. But do you know that you're co-heir with Him? That you also has, have that responsibility to the cattle of the thousand hills. You see, you want, but we don't want the responsibility. We want to have, but we don't want the strings that are attached to it. We sometimes become selfishness. But you know that giving is important for several other reasons. Giving is a form of worship. I bet you did not know that. That is a form of worship. 
Anything we offer willingly to God can be an expression of praise and thanksgiving. Our gift that we give to God is an acknowledgement of His promise to provide and can help us to release from the fear that results from trusting our own resources. Because you know, you know why? When you give to God, you're trusting Him for your provision. When you give to God, you're saying, Lord, I trust Him. You know, I may have in my flesh trusting of the things that I have, but when I give it to you, now my trust is being transformed from what I have is being transformed to you. So when you need something, you just turn to the Lord, your Father, and say, Lord, I need. And the Lord will provide. Because he sees that you've held nothing back. That you've praised him with what you've given. You've given him your gift of praise and worship. Giving also enriches our lives. The paradox of giving is not that it is a key to receiving. Let me repeat that actually. Let me just change it a bit. The paradox of giving is that it is the key to receiving. You know when the Bible says that we need to give in order to receive. So as we open our hearts through giving, we'll find blessing after blessing flowing back to us. Liberality begets liberality. If we are liberal with what we have in giving, then we will be receiving. And as we receive, we'll be giving more. We tend to receive in the same measure that we give. Scripture says that many times the measure that you measure out will be measured back unto you. Giving sustains the work of God. You know, without the gifts of God's people, the work of the church could not go on. You know, we always say that, you know, what, if, the, if, if the Lord is there, then the Lord will bless. Well, isn't the Lord using you for to be the blessing? We tend to always look outward and sometimes the Lord turns to us and says, but you are the blessing. You are the source. I provide it to you so you can provide. And the Bible says that bring your tithes and offerings to my storehouse. Bring yourself as a living sacrifice to my altar. Where would you find this besides the church of God? When Christians are obedient and when Christians are faithful in the giving, miracles will happen in their lives. And needs that may seem too insurmountable are met. Needs that you, needs that you think that will never be met will be met because why? You have now emptied yourself. You have given. Do not be like the Dead Sea that I preached about last week or the weeks before. Do not be the, 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 the one who's receiving all the time and there's no giving. What happens is that the gift will die within you. You be the lake of God. Galilee, be the Sea of Galilee, where that you receive, you give, and so that you can enter yourself, so that you will receive more of the anointing. Praise the Lord. Amen. One of the joys of the Christian life has been part of this network of provisions for God's work and seeing needs met through the sharing of our resources. Did you know that 
giving also helps you to prevent covetousness? Do you know that many other people make gods of their money and gods of their positions, but when our hearts are wrapped up in our positions, God becomes and takes second place. Why? Because why? Our treasure is not God anymore. And therefore we have just broken one of the main commandments of the Old Testament and even the New Testament that our love for God comes to be second place or even third or even last. When our hearts are wrapped out in our positions, God takes second place. A liberal spirit will prevent this covetous idolatry will help us to keep material things in subjection to spiritual realities. When we go through our knots, we can come through the questions and answers. Or more like the questions, is it possible to give God anything he does not already know? own? <laughs> How many times you must have already thought that? Lord, how can I give you something that you already have? You say I must give, 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 but you already have it. Aren't you being a bit selfish? <laughs> the Lord does not want you to be selfish. If anyone is anyone excused from the responsibility of going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature? To what degree may a Christian expect that God will supply his or her needs? On what basis does God judge the size of our offering? By what we give or by what we have left over? And you know, we, we, we come across this and we read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, where Paul writes to Corinth and says this, that in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of the joy and the deep poverty abounded in the riches of the liberty. Abundance of the joy. Is it fair that every Christian should be asked to tithe his or her income to the church? Read the scriptures, they will tell you. Is it right that ministers should receive benefit from offerings given to the Lord? Luke chapter 10 verse 7 says this, Remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. You know what happens with a lot of Christians? We tend to jump from church to church. We become church hoppers. Sounds very much like grasshoppers. And what happens is this, is that it's like, I'm going to put it physically, you know, into a, a physical sense that you can understand. About five o'clock in the afternoon, you get a knock on your door. And there's your pastor. And he says, I have come to join you for supper. Okay. And he eats up all your food. Tomorrow, your neighbor gets a knock on his door. I have come to join you for supper. And he eats up all the food. And as the week goes by... About at least seven houses down your road, 
has had the past to come visit and eat their food. And I want to ask you this. Those seven people are not, or should I say, those six people are not in this pastor's church. You are. Would you take offense? Would you say, how dare my pastor go to all those other people and make friends with them when I am his congregant, I am in his church? Well, what are you doing when you're jumping from church to church who does not know you but are feeding you? They are giving you food. They are giving you something to drink. And the following week you jump to another church. And what happens is this, is that you will never grow. Because each and every different church has a different level of growth. But they will never care for you because you are not their sheep. And one day when there's trouble that comes your way, one day when you're in the hospital, one day when you're in, on your deathbed, who are you going to call? Which of those many churches and those many pastors are you going to call up and say, I've paid my tithes and offerings in the church, why have you not visited me? They're going to say, I do not know you, but thank you for the money. And eventually, what are you going to do when you call your own pastor? Luke chapter 10 verse 7 says this, And remain in the same house. Remain in the same... Let's, let's change this up. Let's, let's change it. Let's turn the scripture to be what it's supposed to be. Remain in the same church. Partaking, eating and drinking. Listening to whatever they give you. Whatever they preach, receive from them. Learn, grow in the lessons that they provide. For the laborer, for the pastor, is worthy of his wages. And therefore do not go from church to church. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 14 says this, And even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So how do we give thrift tithing? The idea of giving God a tithe, in other words a tenth of one's income, is a very ancient custom. It's very old. It's even dating before the history of Israel. The tenth was usually the produce of the ground. It was considered to be the part of the whole that was due to God for the support of his sanctuary and priests. See, the thing is, is, is this is that the priests of that time, the church of that time, the pastor did not have a secular job. The priest did not have a secular job. 
And therefore God says, because you became a priest, I will support you and I will support you through the tenth or the tithes of the people that will support my sanctuary and my people. The scripture preaches it. And it was understood at that time. The basic meaning underlying the giving of tithes was this, is that, is that it comes from Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. You think, well, by the sweat of my brow, I've earned what I've earned. But the Lord says, I've given it to you. I expect some recompense. I expect something back. Who does the tithe belong to? We read this in Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 to 31 says this, And all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. And if a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. Who does... The tithes belong to. The tithe acknowledges God's ownership. The tithe is ex exp you are expressing the gratitude to God for His generosity. Tithing is not only supporting the Levites and the priests in the Old Testament, but it also provided God's people in His redemptive activity to tithe brought divine blessing. Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 30 reads thus, The best of all fruits, uh, first fruits of any kind, and every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifices shall be the priests. Also, you shall give to the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. Oh, praise the Lord. Bible says this, is that if you bless the house of the Lord, the Lord will bless your house. I said this before, I've preached this before. The Lord does not owe anyone. Remember that beggar I spoke about where that this beggar decided to tithe the full tithe and not, he says, Well, why would I give a little bit to God? Ten percent. That's not much. Lord, I will give you ninety percent. Rather, I give to keep the ten percent. So he gave God ninety percent and the Lord blessed him. And the Lord continued to bless him every time that this man tried to outgive God. God gave him blessings upon blessings upon blessings. That beggar did not know begging anymore. He became one of the richest men that ever lived at that time. Because why? He gave God his fullness. And what happens when he gave? The Lord gave back. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 and verse 11 says this, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And the Lord says, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Verse 11 says this, If you give your tithes and offerings, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. 
so he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall a vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. What the Lord is saying is, he says, Lord, look, there is a devourer who has full license to steal from you. You might say, well, Lord, how can he steal from you when everything's yours? Well, because you have not given me my interest, my, my, my tithes and my offerings, you've opened yourself up to theft, maybe even fraud. The devil will steal from you because why? Because you've kept it to yourself. And you know when you keep it to yourself, it becomes sin. And when it becomes sin, the devil has full entry into your life because you've given him a doorway to steal from you. But as soon as you pay your tithes, the Lord will rebuke the devourer and says, Hey, that is mine. He will give you protection. He will give you prosperity. It is in the plan of God for his people to tithe. It was not like, you know what, guys, uh, uh, if you want to tithe, that's fine. If you don't want to tithe, oh man, that, that, that's all good. No. The plan of God was that all people shall tithe. To learn how to tithe. This tithing was practiced by believers before. It was practiced before, uh, during. It was practiced after the Mosaic law was given for Israel. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek of all. In Genesis chapter 14 verse 20 we read this. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him. Who is he? Abraham. Who is him? Melchizedek. A tithe of all that he received. And this was actually approximately 400 years before the law. In the New Testament, Jesus in Matthew chapter 20, uh, 23, verse 33, also sanctioned this principle. He, read, he says this, serpents, you brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Yes. Why did he say that? It was because the Pharisees were stealing from the people. They were demanding for themselves. We read in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 1 to 8, it says this. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a part, a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like as to the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was. To him even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And indeed those who are the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is from the brethren. 
though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the less is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men received tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Amen. See, yeah, we see the principle of tithes being endorsed. No one is forced to give. No one is forced to tithe. But it becomes a privilege. It is a way to express gratitude for blessings received. We read this in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Another scripture will say, test me. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be enough room to receive it. But you know what happens when you don't tithe? You bring a curse upon yourself. When you don't tithe, you bring a curse upon your house. When you don't tithe, you bring a curse upon those who are around you as well. The storehouse today is what the local church is symbolized as. The tithe is the provision for the expenses of the church to function. It's, a, it's the way uh, to empower the church to reach out to the lost and the caring. Christians should give cheerfully. Christians should give voluntarily. Christians should give systematically. With open-ended generosity, giving is not limited to your tithe. Brothers and sisters... To be a disciple and to study discipleship, this is one of the most crucial parts of our lessons, a life of giving. Ken and Annie, if I had to do an illustration, there was two, a couple, Ken and Annie. They've been tithing regularly. But this month, the bills are unusually high. Haven't we faced that many times in our lives? Where we give, we give, we give, and then something happens and we suddenly come to a crossroads. Should we give our tithes or should we use that money for ourselves in order to save ourselves, to pay for our bills? Well, Ken and Annie came to the same situation. If they pay the tithes, they will run short. Would it be right for them to skip a month on the tithes? They go ahead and pay the tithes. What will happen? I remember one time someone told me that you can actually run up a debt with God. You might think, okay, I missed one month of tithes. Well, that's not biggie. I'll pay it next month. I'll pay the next month's tithes. But the Lord will have that in your cash book, in your records, and say you've missed one month. If you owe, imagine if you missed one year, would you ever be able to pay off that tithe? Well, this person told me this. They ran up a debt with God. They were unable to pay. 
And eventually they approached God and said, Lord, I cannot pay that full amount. I will never be able to pay it. I will never have that amount of cash to pay at one time. What can I pay that may clear up that debt? And the Lord gave a number of how much that money, how much that person can pay and that debt will be cleared. Last I heard, this person cleared that debt. How many of you are running up a debt with God? How many of you have, in one way or the other, have some form of outstanding debt with God? And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about your tithes and offerings only. I'm talking about where God has called you. Maybe into ministry. Maybe God has called you to be a steward in someone's life. Maybe the Lord has, has asked you to do something and you have ignored it or you've ran away. Maybe it's time for you to go back to God and ask, Lord, what can I do to cover up that debt? What can I do to, to, to have this debt seen as fully paid off? And when I say this, I don't mean that now that you do, the Lord tell, gives you an answer and then you do that and, it, and it's done, it's over, done with, and then you don't pay anymore. The Lord asks you to pay up your debt so that you can continue with your giving every month, every week, and every day. Today's sermon is a bit shorter because there's a lot of things that we need to think about. There's a lot of things we need to consider. You want to praise the Lord? Giving is part of praise and worship. You know what the word says that we read last week? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Don't you want that? But you have to give. And the word that is give is not a suggestion. It's emphatic. It's a command. See, the Lord does not force you to give. But he does command you to give. But you are given a choice. You are given a will. It's up to you whether you respond likewise or whether you ignore it. But it doesn't nullify it. It doesn't change it. It's still there. These are the questions I want you to think about. The questions you need to go through. Questions you need to really pray about. And seek His face. And we're going to close. Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. I pray, our Father God, that maybe at times when we are stuck in our selfish world, the Father, and 
where we feel as if all that we have is ours and ours alone. Many times we feel that we've done this by the sweat of our brow and the strength of our arms. But Lord, I thank you that you've given us this ability that we have arms to lift up our work. And that we have breath in ourselves that we can breathe in and out. That we live, our Father. I thank you, Lord, that we have jobs. And through these jobs, you've provided for every needs of Father God. And I pray and I thank you, Lord, that even though you've provided for our, our needs, Lord, that we'll never forget to give back to you. I pray, our Father, in some way, Lord Jesus, that the people who are listening to this sermon, our Father, that, Lord, you'll touch them and bless them. Open up their hands so that they give freely from their hearts so that you may bless them. You know, many times we, through our lives, we learn these lessons. If we do not give, we will not receive. If we do not ask, we will not receive. Many times we, 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 we are found ourselves in this position, Lord, that we ask and we don't get. And we, we, we get depressed and we, we get concerned. And we also, we also get to the point where we think that you're not listening to us. But the Lord says, I cannot give to you when you've got so much in your hands already. Re release so that you have space to receive from the Lord. You see, we get so greedy that we, we just want, we just want. We, and our hands are so full of stuff. And then we ask the Lord for more and the Lord comes and he says, I cannot give to you because I don't see any space to put this down in your hands. Because you are over full. But when you start to give and you start to release, the Lord starts to give. Because why there's space? When we empty ourselves, the Lord fills us up again. When we pour out the old oil, the Lord fills us up with new oil. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for these lessons that we are learning as we go through this discipleship course. And I pray, Father God, that the lessons we learn will stick with us, will be ever for, uh, before us, before our eyes. And I pray, Father God, for those who are not well, Lord, that you'll heal them. For those who are going through a rough time, Father God, I pray that you will give them peace. Guide them, walk next to them. Give them strength when they are tired. Give them wisdom, Father God. Now ask us in your name until we meet again in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And the church says, Amen. Amen.